And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Laid him in a manger. Because there was no room in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who had been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose, and have come to worship him. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All right, Merry Christmas. It's great to have you here, and thank you for spending some time with us as we celebrate Christmas. I hope the Christmas season has been going really well for you. Um, who has seen all of their movies that are go-to every year for you for Christmas? All right, who has some catching up to do? Yeah, so do I. Um, Christmas movies, I mean, it's bring back so many memories, and they're, and they're feel good, and it's just a joy to uh, watch them. And then there's all the Christmas music that we get to sing. In uh, my house, my wife pretty much has control of all of that. Uh, November 1st to now, all we hear is Christmas music. And uh, she holds off until November 1st, or it would just go, I think, continually throughout the year. But she, she has a whole plan where she kind of ramps up to this time of, of, of year, you know, Christmas Eve, where everything gets more sacred as we go. And so we're pretty much starting out November 1st with uh, boy band Christmas. And, uh, and, then, and then it gets better from there. But... Um, you know, it's one, of the, it's one of the special things about this time of year is just those movies you watch, the music you hear, and it just uh, gives you a sense of well-being. And it uh, feels good. feels good. And we can put the Christmas story itself kind of into that, into that category where, uh, man, it's, it's, just, it's, just a, um, it's just good for my soul. It's just good to hear. And... I want to take a couple minutes this morning just thinking that through, or this afternoon. Yeah, it's afternoon. Uh, it's Sunday, but it's afternoon. Uh, I think if Christmas was a fable or fictional, um, feel good would be a good response. But what if it's real? Real people, real events in real human history that have taken place. 
then I say uh, feel good is not the appropriate response. But life changing, that is. And so we want to look at just a little sliver of the Christmas story today. And, and we sung about it in the very first song. And if you, uh, if you came in late, uh, you just might want to stay to three and stay in here so you can catch that first song. Because it was awesome. But uh, the first song had to do with, hey, we three kings of Orient are. Bearing gifts we tra traverse afar. Field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, but it's, it's, you know, we three kings. And as you think about that, it's like, what in the world would bring people so far, dignitaries from another nation, to travel all the way to Jerusalem to look for a baby? And start thinking, okay, this, this is, is this a fable? Is this a story that is just um, connected to good thoughts? around Christmas, or did it happen? So let's, let's look at it. it. It comes from Matthew chapter two, verse one. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Okay, so my goal is not to ruin your Christmas by telling you all the things that's wrong in this song. But it starts out, we three kings of Orient are, and I'm thinking they weren't kings and they weren't from the Orient. But besides that, they're nailing it, all right? Uh, it, it's not the Orient like we think of the Orient. It was the east. It was east of Judea, east of Jerusalem. It was actually from modern-day Iraq, and it was from the nation that, at that time known as Parthia. And they were magi. The, the word literally is magi. It... Um, they weren't kings, but they, but they um, gave guidance and counsel to kings. And so they gave guidance to the king of Parthia. And they were kind of the intelligentsia of, of their nation. They were highly learned. They were astronomers and astrologers. They, they studied all of that together. And they looked to the skies as giving indications of significant events happening in earth. Um, to be a king in Parthia, you had to get the um, appointment of the Magi. So these were very influential, very learned. And, uh, and we say three, three kings, you know, three Magi, but we really don't know. Because three is how many gifts that they gave to Jesus. But as I tell my wife all the time, hey, I give you all kinds of gifts and there's just one of me. Okay, so we don't know how many they were. We think that it was probably a big caravan of people, though, just for the security. They traveled 500 miles looking for this baby. And so why would they? I mean, why would people from another country even know about Jesus, much less make a trip um, that was dangerous and was long and was resource, um, cost a lot of resources? And so let's jump into that a little bit. Why would they go? Why would they think it's worth that trip? Um, there's a few things that, that point to it. The first thing is that at that time in human history, and we know this from reading ancient historians um, like Tacitus, Suetonius, Josephus, they all mention that at that time there were rumors about, all throughout the, the Mediterranean seaboard, that 
uh, said that, you know, out of Judea is going to come a world leader. And there was an anticipation of this, and it wasn't necessarily connected to the Hebrew Messiah, but it was a secular belief and, and thought that was going around that people were buying into. And so no doubt, this was also in Parthia, and these wise men had heard about it, the Magi had heard about it, and there was an anticipation of maybe a new world leader was going to be arising out of this area of Judea. Not only that, back in Parthia, the king, his name was Phraates IV, P-H-R-A-A-T-E-S. And uh, he was the king, and he, he was appointed by the Magi, but the Magi were souring on him, and so were the people, because they were a pretty powerful nation. And they were enemies of the Roman Empire. And there was a growing discontent of being oppressed by the Roman Empire. And we, the Parthian people, should rise up against the Roman Empire and overthrow it and become the prominent power in the world. And they had a few skirmishes, and that really deterred Phraates from thinking, um, yeah, I think this, this is not a good idea. And so he didn't do it, and the people were mad. The people wanted to revolt against the Roman Empire, but also against their leader. And so the Magi were in that as well. There was a leader going to come up from, from Judea, and we're not happy with ours. Then there's a the whole deal about the star. They followed the star. And, um, well, here's an amazing thing, kind of a... Uh, a freak thing in history. Julius Caesar had passed away, had been killed in 44 um, BC. When they prepared the body for burial during the, the funeral for Julius Caesar, there was happened to be a supernova in the sky. And thought then, especially for these magi, where you can look to the stars to find out signs of what's going to happen here on earth. And that supernova just took that to the next level. And so the belief was at that time that any significant king that was born or any significant king that died, you would know that by signs in the sky. So what was the signs in the sky that these wise men, these magi followed? And what we don't know for sure, but I got a couple of thoughts. First of all, it could have been just a, a, a miracle of God. Now, if you believe in God, if you're open to the idea of God, then you're probably open, if you think about it, to the idea that God can do things outside natural laws. He, he can do things that are supernatural. And if you believe in God, but you think he can't do things out of natural laws, then that's not much of a God. I mean, that's more like humans. But if you believe in God, you can think, okay, he can do things outside of natural laws because after all, didn't he create them? And so maybe he just created a star or some light at night that guided those, those magi. However, he could have used natural phenomenon in the sky. And there was one occurring at this time. And it was, it was a strange conjunction that happens uh, every several hundred years. And it was a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn came together and appeared to be one large star. Brightest star in the sky. And as we date this back, we believe that in that year, in May and September, uh, again in October and December, those occurrences happened where they came so close together, they appeared as one bright star. And so God could have used that. And that could have been what uh, the Magi were following, but we don't 
know for sure, but it's entirely plausible. But here's the kicker. Why would these guys travel so far, 500 miles, risk their lives on this travel in order to worship a child? Well, Parthia, if you went back 500 years, it was known as the nation and empire of Babylon. In 586 BC, Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar attacked and defeated Judea and Jerusalem. And in so doing, he took back some of the best and brightest minds from Jerusalem and took them back to Babylon. Back in Babylon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar started having dreams that were really bothering him, and so he asked the Magi to interpret those dreams for him. And the Magi couldn't do it. And he was getting just growing in his frustration about these Magi. And so he finally said, okay, either you get it right, and this makes sense to me, or I'm going to have you all killed. Okay, and that's pressure. Well, one of these Hebrew best and brightest men that they had brought back from Jerusalem, his name was Daniel, and he was one of their best students, and he was incredibly gifted. And so they took the risk and said, hey, Daniel, give this a shot. And so Daniel stands before Nebuchadnezzar, hears the dream, and then he correctly nails the interpretation. And Nebuchadnezzar is so relieved at the understanding of this dream that's been haunting him. He not only doesn't kill any of the Magi, but he says, Daniel, you are uniquely gifted, and I am putting you in charge of the Magi. And so now here we have this Hebrew that's in charge of the Magi in Babylon. Now one of the most influential people. And what does he do? We believe that he, re he rewrote the... Uh, the school books for the Magi. He brought in Hebrew prophecy, prophecy out of Micah, prophecy out of, out of Isaiah, and then he wrote his own prophecy. Prophet Daniel became the prophet Daniel who wrote one of the books in the Old Testament. He had the Magi become familiar with the promised Messiah who would be savior to the world. Now, fast forward 500 years, and why are these magi coming from Babylon, now Parthia, in search of a newborn child? Because they know prophecy. And they know as some of the most educated um, people in their country, as some of the most influential and powerful people in their country, some of the most wealthy people in their country, they also know what it meant to have all of that and yet have a hole in your soul. To say, man, I've, I've received a lot of blessings in life and yet it is not giving me peace. I mean, can I have a contentment in my heart? Can I know that my life has meaning and purpose? And that can, can I experience joy and not always thinking that there's got to be something else that could fill this void. And so they made the trip because they thought we might have the chance to see God in the flesh. The answer to the prophecies of the Old Testament. And they, in, in chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 2, 
when they came to Jerusalem, they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? How would they know that? Daniel taught them prophecy 500 years ago, and they continued to learn it. For we saw his star when it rose and came to worship him. And then in Micah 5.2, Micah was prophecy about a coming the coming Messiah. It was written in the 8th century BC, so it was written a couple hundred years before Daniel is, is um, taken to Babylon. And Daniel, no doubt, taught them this. Micah 5.2, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient of days. He probably told them, written about the same time, a couple hundred years before he was there taking over the Magi. Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14 says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel literally means God with us. A savior is going to be born, coming to earth, and he's going to come to Bethlehem. And there's something unique about this savior, is he's from the ancient of days. It is God with us. These magi were coming to worship their God. In Matthew 2, verse 10, it says, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child was with Mary, his mother. And so here it is. It's, it's, they didn't go to the manger. They didn't go to the stable. But the child, not a baby, was with Mary, his mother. And so this was probably, historians believe that it was probably 12 to 18 months after um, Jesus was born. And so it wasn't part of the Christmas story. It wasn't at Christmas, but it was because of Christmas that the Magi had come. And listen to this. And coming into the house, they fell down and worshiped him. Now, you may bow before a king, you may br bring gifts to a king, but this is talking about your response to God. And they bowed down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They brought, they brought gifts, and, and you would bring gifts to a king. You would bring gifts to a human king. And you would bring gifts hoping that that king would do nice things for you. So I do this for you, and maybe you'll be nice to me. But this is different. Because they come to God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, and they're saying, um, we're not come to get your stuff. We're not offering you gifts so that you might give us some of your things. We're offering gifts recognizing that all we want is you, is to know God. And so that's why they made that trip. That's why it was so important. That's why they fell on their face and they worshiped God because that was the right response. Gold, frankincense, gold is what you gave kings. And they're recognizing that the king of heaven has come to earth. God in the flesh, God in the bod, 
has come to earth. And so they offer gold. Frankincense is a beautiful fragrance. It's taken from sap from a tree in, um, in their uh, part of the country. And then you crush that sap and it is a beautiful aroma. And it was also what high priests used during sacrifices in the temple. What did, who are high priests? High priests were people that went before God and make sacrifices for the sins of the people that they could be forgiven by God. They were mediators. And we know from the prophecies that these wise men recognized that the ultimate mediator, God in the flesh is coming himself in order to be the go-between between humanity and God so that he could mediate for our sins to God so he would forgive us. And then myrrh, the weirdest gift. Um, um, myrrh was also uh, a fragrance, um, but here's a common use of myrrh. Uh, you rubbed it all over the burial cloths. You mixed it with aloes and you'd rub it all over the burial cloths and then you'd wrap a dead body and, and put it in a grave and it would help hold back the stench. Now, uh, you know, I haven't been personally to a lot of baby showers, but I'm thinking, you know, like embalming fluid isn't like high on the list of things that you bring to a baby shower. <laughs> totally inappropriate, unless they knew the future of this child, that he came to sacrifice himself as an offering to God so that he could offer forgiveness of sins. God with us. Now, when you consider God, I know two things were on their mind. Number one is, is God so holy and perfect and righteous and just? Is that so, um, uh, in, you know, just part of his nature that he has to punish sin? And the Old Testament says, there's no, by no means can I let the guilty go unpunished. And his nature demands, his character demands, as a just God, there to be consequences for rebellion against him. Or is he so loving and merciful that he chooses to accept us in spite of the fact that much of our lives we don't trust him? Which one is it? The answer is yes. The answer is both. Being a perfect God, holy and just, he had to punish sin. But being a loving and merciful God, he gladly volunteered to take that punishment on himself so that we could be offered forgiveness and accepted by the God of the universe. The appropriate response to Jesus and Christmas is not a warm feeling. The appropriate response is to fall on our face and worship our God who is perfect and just and loving and merciful. Wise men nailed it. They worshiped. God, I give you my life, my praise, everything I own, I give to Jesus. The king on a manger throne. 
As we listen to this song, I want you to pay attention to the words and pay attention to your heart's response to Jesus this Christmas.
That's the response. Jesus, our King on the manger throne, God in the flesh. You know, as we approach Christmas and a lot of times as we approach God and people often approach God in a very religious way. And what I mean by that is they're thinking, okay, if there's a God up there, then, um, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, manage my life and do some things that make you happy. So you're good to me. You know, I do this for you. You do that for me. And that, that is a, you know, an exchange that is, um, that's a view of God that uh, almost says you can manipulate him. It's a view of God that I think isn't God. You know, as we think about God, as God tells us what he thinks, he says, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to draw to myself people who want to use me. But I'm going to forgive and draw to myself people who trust me as God. Uh, you know, the, the thinking that, hey, occasionally I'm going to call upon you, God. And uh, if I've been good enough, I'm expecting you, you, know, you kind of owe me. Uh, that doesn't work. You know, sometimes people say, yeah, well, I tried God and it just didn't work because, you know, there were still natural disasters. People were still having cancer. I still was treated unjustly at work and it just didn't work for me. And um, I, I don't think you tried God. I think you did something that was religious and in your mind thought, man, I, I can call on God like a puppy would respond to his master. And occasionally, even though I ignore him most of my life, occasionally I call on him and he will come running. And God's told us that he didn't die on a cross. He didn't become flesh and live a life on earth knowing to sacrifice his life for the sins of the world so that we could use him. But he did it because he's God. So we could recognize him and follow him as God. And that's the decision that Christmas brings to us. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why Christmas is feel good, but it's not because of the Christmas story. The Christmas story leaves us with a choice. Are we going to follow God and submit to him? Or are we just going to ignore him? I want to give you a chance just to, to respond to him and uh, you know, answer that question. Is God useful to you? Or is God worthy to be praised? And so I just want you to bow your head. And maybe it's a time where you're coming back to God. And you're thinking, man, I've, I've had an inaccurate view of you. I occasionally have tried to use you, but I haven't recognized you as God. And maybe today is the day for the first time in your life. You're just like, I, I need to surrender to God and, and stop pretending like he's not real. And if that's where you're at, I'll just lead you in a prayer. And prayer is just talking with God. And you can do that in the quietness of your heart. And 
if the words that I'm saying really kind of connect to your heart, then just repeat those back to God. Say, God, I, I choose today, you know, to, to fall on my face and worship you as God. As a God who I want to follow and I want to serve, not as a God who I want to use. I'm not thinking about you because I want some of your stuff, but I'm thinking about you because I want you. And so I ask for your forgiveness. And God, as much as I understand you at this moment, I, I commit to follow you. And I ask you to just begin growing me up into the person you want me to be. And so I, I worship you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. You know, if you made that decision today, I just want to congratulate you. I, it's one of the most life-transforming, it is the most life-transforming decision you can make to, instead of thinking about using God, um, God doesn't want us to be religious, he wants us to get right with him. And you just made a, a step in, in that, a step to be forgiven. And he says he adopts you as, as his child. You are wholly accepted by him. And now it's an opportunity to follow him. In order to follow him, we need to know him more. And so if, if, if that was a decision you made today, um, we have some information for you that it's, it's short, it's sweet, but it's just some basic thoughts and some verses that you can look up to grow in that journey of knowing God. God was loved, the God who held nothing back in his pursuit of you. He went all in. And so, uh, I mean, let's hold nothing back in knowing him and following him. And so on your way out, you can go to those middle desk out there. It says next steps. And you can um, just tell them, hey, I, I prayed that prayer along with Bill today. And they will give you some information that you can take home in the next few days, read, and it'll just reinforce some of your thinking that you're having today. And it will just begin, um, continue to this, this journey that you're on. And maybe today, you, your heart's beating out of your chest, but you're just not there. It's like, I know God has me on a journey, and I want to know him more, and I feel like he's drawing me to him, but I still have questions that are unanswered that I feel like I need to process through. Um, Man, if, if you want somebody to process through your questions with you, just listen. We would love to do that with you. I mean, that's why we're here. We're all on a spiritual journey. We just want to go shoulder to shoulder and learn together. And so if that's where you're out, at, I invite you to stop at that desk as well and just let them know, hey, I, I'm, I'm not making a decision, but I'm on the journey and wouldn't mind having a cup, cup of coffee with somebody and having some questions answered. And uh, we'd love to do that with you. If you're online, go to rollinghills.org slash next steps and fill out that information there. And we'll make sure that we um, get information to you as well to answer your questions. Now, this is one of the sweet, uh, sweet times in our Christmas Eve gatherings where we do the candle lighting part of our Christmas Eve gather gathering. And, and uh, and I also just, you know, fair warning, this is where the Christmas Eve gathering could go south in a hurry. So, um, 
Let me give you a, a little instruction here that's gonna make it safe. Um, the worship team's gonna come down in a second and we'll light candles on the end. And here's what you gotta remember is, is um, if your candle is lit, you always keep it straight up and down. All right, and the person next to you or the worship team is coming down, you bring your unlit candle in from the side, get it lit, and then it's straight up and down the rest of the time. All right, and the person next to you will come in with their unlit candle, get it lit, and then it's straight up and down. And, uh, and this will go well. Uh, the other thing you have to watch is, you know, for those people with beautiful flowing hair in front of you, that you don't get your candle too close to their um, hair. And we'll, we'll enjoy this together. Uh, here, here's the picture. Here's the picture. You, you warning each other? Yep. Um, here's the picture. God says he's the light of the world. And man, we need light, don't we? I mean, there is just so many discouraging things uh, going on in our world. And, um, but here's what he says. He says, if, you, if we get connected to his heart as his kids, he starts making our heart more and more like his. And so the love that he has for the people of this world, where he voluntarily went on a cross to be our substitute to pay for sin, he says, we'll start loving people like he loves people. Start seeing people like he sees people. And as that happens in us, we begin reflecting his light to the world around us. And so as we light these candles, um, that's the picture that uh, this candle lighting gathering symbolizes. And so let's uh, continue to worship together and uh, enjoy this candle lighting service. 